I can't be hanging around like this Falling for you Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on both iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've come to call it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Taos, New Mexico, my guest has performed, she's a mentor, she has spent a number of years with her own music publishing business in Nashville. One of the cuts they had was uh, Troubadour by George Strait. She has a husband that's a songwriter and performs regularly out west. You've been hearing The Great Alone, which is from their catalog and co-written by June's husband, Tom Gould, and she is a great all-around person and friend. Please welcome June McHugh. Hello. Good morning. Thank you, June. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. So I just mentioned in the intro that the publishing company you had, Ash Street Music, had several cuts, one of which was Troubadour by George Strait. Is that one your your top highlight? What what memories do you have around that? Well, yes, we. I mean, Troubadour is definitely definitely a highlight. Um, and on that same record, Troubadour was the title cut on George's 2008 record. We also had um, a song on there called "The House of Cash," which was a duet with Patty Loveless and George Strait. Cool. And we've had a Randy Travis cut called "Turn It Around." And a Jason Aldean cut wow. called Church Pew at Barstool. Wow. And Josh Thompson, his first big single was called Beer on the Table. Wow. And um, so <laughs> it's all been, we've all been highlights. Yeah, they, you've had you've had several. Never never mind uh, trying trying to put one of them first. Um, so on that note, let's let's delve a little bit here into music publishing. I would love. If you could kind of present a a history of versus the current state of, especially since so many of the hardworking songwriters, for example, are out there thinking, "Man, I would just really love to land a pub deal." Um, set that stage for us, June. What what the publishing business has typically been versus what's going on in two thousand fourteen. Well, I think um, back in the day when you know there there were pub deals and. People were getting, um, they were being paid to write for publishing companies. And publishing companies were representing their, their music to the record labels and doing all that. There was, because of the way it was structured, they were able to actually make money from their cuts on big artists through radio and record sales and things like that. And it was in a sense, more stable, even though it was always kind of iffy, because just writing a song doesn't mean it's necessarily going to get cut. And also, um, writers 
essentially they were going into the hole being signed by a publisher because every bit of money that the publisher put into them, whether it was for their monthly draw or cutting demos, that writer owed that publisher the money back from being associated with that publisher. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't get cuts, then, you know, they had this big, for lack of a better word, debt to the publisher. Yeah. And um, also, it gave up their rights to the publisher. The publisher owned those songs, mm. still does own those songs, until they recoup their balance mm -hmm. that they established with the publisher. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of writers, it, that was okay because they were able to get cuts and pay back the money that was advanced to them and come out ahead on the other side. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are a lot of writers who still are technically in debt to their publishers for the money that was advanced to them. Yeah, just like people who are in their people who are in their thirties and still paying back student loans. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, you know, it's the right now the pool has gotten so much more shallow, if you want to call it, because they just are not cutting a lot of songs outside of the big publishing companies because the royalty streams have been cut so much um, due to the Internet, and the Internet is definitely a double-edged sword. Where, yes, you can get great exposure on the Internet for your music, but you don't get paid very much for it. And... Um, and, you know, so many of the big publishing companies, that in order for them to make any money, they need to own the songs that they are getting cut, whether it's, on, you know, on a big artist or on a TV show or on a movie or whatever. They need to own the publishing on those songs in order to make any money themselves. And I know that you have... Um you have advocated for people to uh, to keep their their own publishing. Yes, I mean, I just in this day and age, especially if you you know if you want to be an artist, if you want to um, be a writer, and you can find you know independent cuts, you know independent artists that are willing to cut your songs, but the royalty streams are still down. And it's, I don't know, I don't know if I even see in the foreseeable future them coming back to what they used to be. Okay, now, another big term in the business is an industry that had really gotten some momentum and might confuse some people. Talk about the difference between publishing companies versus song pluggers. Song pluggers, um, a lot of times, they won't take on... A writer's entire catalog, they might hear a song that they really believe in and say, ooh, I'd like to pitch that for you. And, you know, there are different kinds of song pluggers. Some of them you might pay a monthly fee to to pitch your song, but they will still, in most cases, want a piece of the publishing on the back end if they do get your song cut. And each plugger is different, and 
you know, you have to watch how, you know, what kind of contract you create with the song plugger as to if if you sign a song to them, is that forever? Which is what I, I do not recommend signing it to them forever. Um, because they can start, you know, if they don't have any luck with the song and then you find somebody else, let's say you have a song plugger that you signed a single song to, but you get in touch with an independent artist yourself and that artist decides to cut the song, then what is the song plugger stand in that equation if they did not get the cut but they own a piece of the song? Mm. Good point, good point. So I saw a discussion on Facebook the other day talking about should you pay someone to plug your songs for you or should the model be uh, pay for performance? Um, and see, that's, that's where it's changed a lot in the industry as well because even as short as five years ago, song plugging, I think, was more viable. It's changed so much in five years yeah. where it's very hard to pay somebody up front to plug for you. Um, you would rather, you know, pay on the back end when and if they get a cut. But, you know, song pluggers at the same time, they need money to survive too. <laughs> so it's just, it's a big, you know, double-edged sword for everybody. Yeah. Well, um, uh, and I want to try to slightly differentiate here. You know, I hear artists nowadays say that, hey, if so-and-so is that interested in working with me, they shouldn't be asking me for money. They should be paying, um, you know, say for for recording costs for, for starters. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I just think... It has all changed so much. I know I'm going to keep sounding like a broken record, every pun intended. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if you are a serious performing songwriter, performing artist, and in order to get the gigs that you need, it's very hard to manage your own career, especially these days. There's so many places to play and so many opportunities. And you should get paid to play whenever you play. But to find the real, you know, the best gigs and the most consistent, you know, create the most consistent schedule of playing out, it can really help to have a manager. But that manager also needs to eat <laughs> and pay bills. Yeah, And so I, I just think you can ask for somebody to do work for you without getting paid for it, without paying for it, and having them get paid for it. Yeah, and listeners know that, that you know, this this conversation is completely spontaneous. June had no idea of the questions. I mean, myself, being an artist manager myself, you know, you're, you're obviously preaching to the choir, June, and that, you know, I live that every day, running now, hear this, that, you know, my business has bills to pay and I need to put food on my table. Um, so, you know, so that dynamic that you're describing does exist um, very much so, and, and certainly in different facets of the business. You know, in this conversation immediately, we're talking about management, but you just finished saying, I'm going to sound like a broken record, Bruce, because I apply it to song plugging, I apply it to pub deals, you know, and, and so on. Yes, yeah. 
and it's um you know with with pub deals I mean it's the same thing the publisher shouldn't say oh here come right for me you know in a perfect world they wouldn't say oh here come right for me you know and we'll do and way back when I first started I had deals like that I worked with writers it was it's kind of a different phase because my husband and I were getting into the business of it ourselves, ourselves, and we were learning the ropes and the way that we structured our very first original song, um, song deals and publishing deals was that we'd work with writers and we wouldn't pay them, they wouldn't pay us. If we got something done with their song or songs, they would keep half of their publishing and so it was more of a you know um, pitch to own kind of thing where we didn't own their publishing outright first it only happened when when we got their deal you know got yeah. us on the deal yeah well that's you know mm-hmm. that that's a that's a win-win for, for both parties yeah and it was more it was more like helping to develop them while we were at the same time developing ourselves and and learning the ropes and learning the people and getting to know people and um, getting to know the business. Yeah, and 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 you took a creative approach in doing so. You know, some something unique. You know, that wasn't the traditional model. You know that that you and your husband felt okay. This you know this is something that's going to interest uh, potential clients. Um, you know, people will come to us knowing that they don't have to put any money up front, uh, but we can also feel good about ourselves saying we're not making you any promises that we can't keep because we're not promising you that we're going to get you a cut. However, we're going to work hard, and if and when we do, this is what's going to happen financially. Yes, and that was, you know, I'd say that was about um, 18 years ago that we did that. And the structure was also different enough that the possibilities of getting a cut were in a lot of ways, better. Mm-hmm. But the money was also better if and when you did get a cut. You see what I mean? Well, yeah, as you explained, you know, the the stream has changed, <laughs> obviously, in, in, in 18 years' time. But, you know, I think, um, you know, w- without sounding like the president of the June McHugh fan club, you know, I think, I think that's, you know, sort of, uh, you know, a, a kind of trailblazing move that you and your husband set out because you decided, look, you know, we, we need to do something um, that makes us stand out as a business, uh, you know, and is, and is going to interest people and give them, uh, I don't want to say hope because that's kind of a, a misunderstood word in the business, but it's, you know, it's not unlike my company and that, you know, now here this is, is fully inclusive management, promotion and booking. You know, people mm-hmm. people nowadays could spend all kinds of money, you know, on a booking agency and then go find a manager and then find someone to do the promotional work for them. Uh, and so, you know, I simply tried to do what, what you tried to do, which is, um, you know, to be a little unique. Exactly, yes. And, and that's what you, you know, in finding somebody like you, you know, to, to cover different bases. When I started, I started my band in Denver, Colorado, Oh shoot! About twenty-two years ago, and I did everything. I owned the sound system. I ran the band. I did all the bookings. I um, my band was called Trigger Finger. And you sang. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, I did everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, I sang. I ran the sound. I learned the sound from the ground up. Wow. When I first bought um, my sound system, I bought it from a place in Denver called Pro Sounds. I met these two guys, and you know, I was, I was lucky enough to be able to buy a good system. And they had to draw me a diagram <laughs> on how to hook it up because I had no idea. <laughs> and I, one of the things I remember is Mark McElwain telling me, he said, June, just remember from the out to the in, from the out to the in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, that's a, I think that's a good story, though, because, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, who are, who are do-it-yourselfers, you know, who are up-and-comers, who are in the early stages of their career, you know, they're, they're hearing firsthand, you know, from someone that, you know, made it all the way to, and, and we'll talk at some point about the fact of having a, a music publishing company with an office on Music Row in Nashville, uh, but that you did start, you know, in, in from, from a place where you were doing everything all on your own, in, including related to the, the band that you were uh, performing with. I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me from New Mexico on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is June McHugh. Uh, please be sure to check out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz uh, to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. So, June, as as you just started to, to tip your hand there, um, you have spent some time in a few different markets. Talk about what you've seen in the way of, uh, say, pros and cons, you know, changes, and maybe even the state of uh, the music scene in Denver and in New Mexico, and then we'll have a whole separate discussion on the big one. I, I know you still have ties to Denver, uh, and obviously you're living in, in Taos, New Mexico, so go ahead. Well, we've been out of Denver for about 10 years, and um, one thought that came to my head when I was talking about when I started, I mean, nowadays, there are schools, you know, for sound engineering, and there are schools for songwriting, and there, you know, there's so much going on, and that's good, but a lot of, you know, voice schools and coaching schools for, you know, being on stage, and and all that's good, but I, I guess I found the best teacher was just doing it. And getting out and, um, you know, getting on stage and, oh, I mean, I have, I, I have them somewhere. I know I have videotapes back from back in the day. I mean, I have black and material on myself <laughs> from when I first started singing on stage and mm-hmm. doing all that. But I learned so much from just being on stage and singing and, and learned what to do and what not to do and made mistakes, but you know, grew from them. And, um, you know, I think the best thing is to get out in any scene back then or now and network and meet people and, and, um, you know, get to know the scene yourself by going and visiting different clubs. Where would you work? You know, where would you fit in? Where would you not fit in? I mean, if you, if you're kind of an Americana, type singer, you're not going to do well in a heavy metal club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if those are even around anymore. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, you have to, but also being very open-minded to, to listen to other, other people who are already entrenched in the scene and get to know them. Yeah, and you you always make sure that you maintain all of your contacts. I know um, you've told me in the past about, uh, and and I may be getting parts of this wrong, so feel free to correct me, but I I believe that back in your Denver days that you were involved uh, with some big festival. I think it might have been a songwriters festival, and and I think you even still are in contact with with one or two of the guys from that. Well, yeah, we were involved with the Durango Songwriter Festival back when it first started, mm-hmm. and um, we are still, you know, still in contact with Jim Atterbury and and um, and Jack Hayford, and we haven't. We went um, to one of the Durango Songwriter Festivals up in um, Durango Songwriter Expo. That's what it's called, mm-hmm. Durango Songwriter Expo. And um, we went a couple, three years ago to one they did in Denver. And, you know, that was really good. And, yeah, we still have, I mean, we have so many connections. And we also used to run songwriter seminars ourselves up in Breckenridge, Colorado. And those seminars were called um, the Beans Seminar, B-E-A-M-S. Recommend educational arts and music seminars. Oh, nice! Yeah, and I know, um, I know you. You know, you haven't completely dismissed the idea of, of restarting a songwriter retreat, so to speak, um, there in New Mexico. Where uh, in, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you a question that I prepared that um, you know speaks to how you know how you did how you and your husband both as as music people. Um, you know, got got on the ground once once you got out there. But but let's move on to uh, let's move on to Nashville. I'm going to come at this from a few different angles. So so bear with me. The okay. first one is uh, just set the scene for our listeners because you spent a lot of time there, right in the heart of it all. I'm you know as I mentioned before, I'm talking you know, an office right on Music Row, where by the way, I'm sure you you probably had your fair share of cold calls from songwriters just stopping in unannounced trying to get a deal. Oh yeah, I, we when we went to um, when we op- opened our office on Music Row. I mean, one of our premises were, was that our door was always open, mm-hmm. and we met with a ton of people, um, and just you know, just to hear hear their music, hear their ideas, help them kind of navigate the the waters in Nashville. And just try to do our do it more like they did in the old days. And oh, we had I mean, so many people come through our building, and we had a big a big deck out on the back of the building, and we always had people gathered there. There was always music going on throughout the house <laughs> on the back deck, and um, you know it was it was a great place. I mean, right now. There are a number number of writers on the charts right now who either were Ash Street writers or wrote at Ash Street with our writers who, you know, I'm proud to say we, I think we helped nurture them along their path. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, that's like coaching a guy in the minor leagues and then seeing him make it to the pros. Exactly. Yep. And it's, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it was. We really tried to just have a place where people felt comfortable and felt at home. 
Yeah, and and I want to go back and just kind of clarify that comment that I just made. It's by no means uh, a reflection on Ash Street. It's, I'm talking more about the emotion, the pride uh, of working with those people and seeing you know where they've continued on to. Um, I want to ask these next two Nashville-related questions in a particular order. The first one is this. Uh, I first met you when I had a client playing in Nashville, and you approached us after she finished. Um, you had great things to say about her. You were interested in, in talking with us and getting to know more. In Nashville, anything is possible in that you never know who might be in the crowd some night, as as my client and I found out firsthand that night. <laughs> Yes, and I mean, the, what I think is that every every time you get up and play, wherever you are, you never know who might be there. And But even beyond that, it's every time you get up and play, I think it behooves you to put your heart and soul into what you're doing, if, that, if this is truly what you want to do. And, um, you know, a, a case in point, I... I mean, we just, we've had songs. We, Tom was playing at um, a venue here in in um, Taos a couple weeks ago and played a song that he wrote called Praying on the Run. And he wrote it with, um, he, wrote, he wrote it with Charlie Hutto. And it's just, it's a great song. And there was a guy sitting in the back and he came up to me and Tom afterwards and just said, You've got to get that song recorded. You've got to get that out there. Mm. Now, he's not somebody who can help us do that. Mm -hmm. But to get that feedback itself, you know, from somebody who sat there and actually listened to the song, you know, that's what you... That's why you're up there. That's why you're singing. That's why you're playing, is to touch somebody's heart and get that kind of input. And in addition, you might... There might be somebody out there whose heart you touch and whose input and help you can get in bringing your music to even bigger fruition. Exactly, yeah. And I've had numerous, numerous instances, you know, where I have stood there before someone, before they've gone on to perform, and I've said, listen, you know, just remember there are a lot of people here tonight that are just hearing you for the first time. There are a lot of people that are hearing some of these songs for the first time, and there are some people here tonight that, unbeknownst to you, need to hear a certain song that you're going to play tonight. So, you know, like like you said, June, you know, don't ever put it on autopilot, uh, you know, because you never know who you might touch with what with what song, whether it is someone that can quote unquote help you or not. Exactly. Okay. It's important, you know, it's so important to do that because that's what music is about. Absolutely. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's Bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is to be conscious of being current. If the biggest accomplishment you tell people about is from four years ago now, the old what have you done for me lately question is going to quickly enter someone's mind. You're only as good as your last show. Just like with some things in life, don't live in the past. And that is today's Bruce's bonus. So last Nashville question then. I've asked some previous guests about the whole 
people picking up and moving to Nashville thing. And, and I don't think there are too many opinions for this podcast. So let's hear June McHugh's thoughts about a songwriter or an artist moving to Nashville. Well, I mean, when you move to Nashville, if that's what you choose to do, it is, it's a huge pond. It might be a small city, but it's a huge pond. And there's so many people who move there with their dreams. And, you know, they, you have to believe in yourself, yes, but you have to be open to hearing things you might not want to hear. I mean, and being able to take, sometimes it is very constructive criticism. Sometimes it's really, some people can be real harsh. Um, and you have to decide if first you want to, you know, establish yourself somewhere else before you move into that, into the vast pond of Nashville. And, um, there's so many people who want that dream, but what it takes is a lot of hard work and a lot of being able to hear what other people have to say because, you know, so many people think every song they write um, should get cut, and that <laughs> is not the truth. Go ahead. Oh, well, I think, too, you know, I mean, I, I remember when I met um, you and Melissa that night, I just said, um, I asked her, I said, oh, are, are you um, are you writing with other people? And she said, no. And I said, good. I said, because what you write is so good. Sometimes, I mean, it's good to get to Nashville and think you get need to co-write, co-write, co-write. But, other, but if you're a good writer on your own, you don't necessarily need to do that. Yeah, and this is the part of the podcast where, again, I, I am going to sound like I'm leading the June McHugh fan club. Um, you know, so, so, so many people in Nashville will tell you, co-write, co-write. Make sure you're doing co-writes. Make sure while you're here you're, you're co-writing with people. And that was uh, refreshing to, to be there that night. Uh, Melissa Bretthauer is who we're talking about. And, you know, to have someone, a music publisher no less, come up and say, uh, who are you writing with? I write myself. Well, good. Don't stop. Keep doing that. Um, and, and furthermore, your comment about having thick skin, um, you know, I think I, I think you're right uh, because that does go on. Obviously, people reviewing your songs and telling you, no thanks, not interested, don't like it. And, and, and where I'm going with the June McHugh fan club statement is, you know, I, I always admired the approach that you and your husband took which was a model based on, here's a fee, it's very, very, very negligible, here's a fee where you can submit songs to us, and we will review the songs, and we won't just get back to you and say no. We're going to say, okay, you know what, here's what I didn't like about it, here's what I think you should try, and then come back to us with a rewrite, and then we'll give you another critique of it. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it does no good just to hear yes or no. <laughs> I think um, that's why that's what we tried to, you know, structure our critique, um, critique quote unquote service on was giving feedback and and giving, you know, helping to build on an idea, not just say no, that's, you're not on the right track. Well, why? You know, 
why aren't I on the right track? And then giving them the opportunity to rewrite and send it back, not for more money, but under the same, you know, the initial right. fee. Right. And and help them, you know, grow their ideas and, and learn more about the crafting of songs. I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me from New Mexico on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is June McHugh. Be sure to check out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletters there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons there as well as to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Um, June, like so many other people in the music industry, you are a creative person. You've got a lot of cool original ideas. I started to hint at this earlier on uh, in the podcast when I mentioned um, about, you know, how does somebody all of a sudden step into a new market uh, the way that you and your husband did in in New Mexico a couple of years ago. Um, You know where I'm going with this. Talk talk about the angle that you've come up with for people who are on the road, staying in different cities, going from town to town. Oh, yeah, and we had, I had talked with you about this a number of years ago, and, you know, I mean, the the kind of um, idea I had was that let's say you're you're in Nashville and you've got to drive to Atlanta to play a gig and Atlanta isn't that far, but to stretch it out and to make your road trip easier, I mean let's just say you found you're on your way to Atlanta and in between Atlanta and Nashville you find you know a small venue or a B and B where you could swap out. Staying at the D and D, say to them, "Hey, can I sit in your, you know, your lounge area and play music? If you could give me one night of, you know, um, one night of lodging, I will play for your guests. And if you have CDs, you can sell that. You can sell your CDs when you're doing that, and possibly make some more gas money for your trip to Atlanta. Or, and that's that's true. There's so many." smaller, untapped, quote-unquote, venues throughout the country, where if you take your time to really look at those places and map it out, and um, I know I have another friend, Sabrina Murda, who is doing just that. They're looking at smaller places that she and her husband Tony are traveling, you know, all over. I believe they're going up into, like, Missouri and then coming down toward New Mexico and, you know, and talking with her about possibilities of where she could play, you know, stay and play. And, um, but you have to think outside the box and think outside big, huge venues and look towards smaller venues that can fit your music and suit your schedule as you're, as you're making your way, you know, to and from gigs. Well, and, and, and that's the resourcefulness that I'm talking about that, that you have. You know, when, when you and your husband got to New Mexico, um, everyone's friend, Facebook, came in handy because uh, you tracked down somebody who had gone to the same college as you, if I, re- if I recall the story correctly. Yes, that's and, and, yeah. Yeah, and, so, and so tell the listeners um, how that turned out. Well, we... Um just before we moved down here, I'm on I am on LinkedIn and I had joined um 
my alma mater, Colorado College's LinkedIn page, and I got an email from um, the Colorado College LinkedIn page, and one of the first people up there was um, an alumna from Colorado College who lived in Taos, New Mexico, <laughs> and she owns a B&B here. <laughs> and so I emailed her right away and said, you know, my husband and I are moving out there, and consequently... We've done a couple of um, concerts at her at her B and B. They have a beautiful courtyard where we can set up in the summer. That's you awesome. Know, or an artist can set up in the summer. And actually, I just got an email from her yesterday talking about dates coming up to this summer. That's awesome, and that's and and, and listeners. Listeners who are who are performers, I mean, listen to that resourcefulness that that June is talking about. I mean, that's the kind of creativity that you need to have and that and that you can flourish with. Um, and and you know and so so in, in terms of social media, June, I want to talk with you specifically about Facebook because I know you're very active on there. It it has become very acceptable to do business over Facebook. Um, but what advice do you have? for all the hardworking artists and songwriters out there who want to track down every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the music business on Facebook and try to friend them, send them Facebook event invitations, send them private messages. What, what are your thoughts? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fine, you know, to, to see what people are doing, you know, and follow people. But I personally, I feel... If you don't have a direct connection to somebody, um, just kind of blind friending them on Facebook, I just don't think is the best idea. I think you can learn from um, what they're saying on Facebook and, and what they're talking about. And I know, oh gosh, what's it? Clay, let me see something. Clay Mills, I think is his name, he and another big songwriter have started uh, um, yeah, have started a um, songwriting forum on Facebook. And, um, you know, there's things to look at that way, and there's a lot of insight you can get in following somebody and and watching them, you know, but I think sending them, and, and another thing, and I'm just going to say it, I think there's there's a very fine line between promoting and over-promoting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a, it definitely is a very good forum to promote yourself, but over-promotion can can be just as big a, a negative as not promoting at all. And I gave a uh, a Bruce's bonus on a previous episode of Now Hear This, where I said, um, you know, don't send out these these Facebook event invitations to everybody if you're based in, uh, I'll say, Baltimore. And it's going to people uh, here in Tampa. You know, we're not going to come to your show. And, and you're going to offend yeah. people and you're going to turn people off and say, don't they do their homework? Don't they do their research? Why are they sending me this? You know, every Friday I get one or every weekend I get one or every time they play, 
I get one. So so you're right. And um, so the, and this next question, I think I, I think you already answered um, just a minute ago, but I'll ask it anyways, because I, I, I was going to put you on the spot uh, and say, I, I know that a lot of people are going to hear this podcast and say, wow, she, she really knows her stuff. I'd like to get in touch with her and get some opinions, some advice, maybe send her some of my songs. So I was going to ask you if you are open to people trying to friend you on, on Facebook, strangers, but I, I, I think the answer... Yeah, they can also... We do have an Ash Street Music Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I think that that actually would be the best way to go about, you know, asking me questions. Um, and Tom has a Tom Gould Music Facebook page. And I think that's what and, you're saying, is you're saying do the research and find... If there's a corporate, if there's a company page, if there's an artist page, don't go to someone's personal page and try to friend them. If you have never mm-hmm. met them in your life, you have no mutual friends, no connection. Yeah, because most of those guys that you know you might want to talk to and stuff do have um, corporate Facebook pages, and you know, separate from their personal ones. And I know a lot of people who have been shutting down their personal Facebook pages leaving up their artists or their, you know, their company ones and, you know, starting new personal Facebook pages that are just for their friends and family Mm -hmm. for that very reason. June, it has been some time since you performed, and I know you go see your husband perform all the time. Do you miss being on stage performing at all or no? Oh, yeah. I mean, I make Tom get me up with him. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know, I still, I'll get up and sing some with Tom when he's playing out, and there's a big part of me that misses it, um, and, you know, we just, um, we're just gonna keep plugging away. It's been very nice to be here in Taos and be able to focus on the music again, and not necessarily so much the business. Well, when you talk about missing performing and that you do still get up and and do it once in a while with your husband, uh, I guess I guess I should have asked this in the early on. What made you choose the publishing business in the first place? Well, years ago when we had our band and um, we did one CD off of the, or when we had the band, and by the way, that's how I met my husband. He auditioned for my band, <laughs> and. Um, we did one CD and we played out and it actually was in the start. I mean, this is long enough ago. Some people wouldn't. It was in the start where they started doing, um, turning bars instead of places for listening to music. They started turning them into, you know, sports bars and they found out it was a lot cheaper to just buy, you know, six or ten TVs and put them up and entertain people that way. That way they didn't have to deal with musicians and paying bands every week and things like that. And it was also the start also the start of the big karaoke boom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people would come in and, you know, they'd hire a guy to do karaoke, but they'd get all this entertainment for free if people just got up and tried to sing. Yeah. And um, and we were in Denver at the time, and we just, um, Tom was a songwriter, has been a songwriter most of his life, way before I knew him. And um, we just decided to focus on 
songwriters and helping songwriters kind of be a conduit for songwriters from Denver and the Rocky Mountain region to Nashville. And it just started networking in Nashville and getting to know people. And um, one of the first people I met in Nashville is a songwriter named Will Robinson, whose, whose dad went to college with my dad. Wow. And um, his sister lived in Denver, and my dad was kind of helping his sister out when she moved to Denver. And his sister said, well, if you ever need any help, give William a call. And I did, my very <laughs> first trip to Nashville. And he was writing for um, Maypop, which was Alabama's publishing group. Mm. Um, the group Alabama. Yeah. And, um, and that's just how I started talking to people. And, um, got, you know, and then I had, um, you know, started these seminars. I had, uh, one of my first big seminars I did in Colorado was called the Colorado Portfolio of Talent. And I had, I had, it was for like a week and I had, each night was a different musical genre. So we did pop and rock and country, singer, songwriter. We did a kid's day, kids music one day, and each night, I would only feature four bands, so each band got a whole set, mm. and I brought people in from Nashville and L.A. and New York, Wow! and um, that was my first foray into doing seminars and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. That was even before, I think that was before I even knew Tom. Yeah, it was. It was before I knew Tom. But if you take that story back to saying that somebody told you that their dad was out there, uh, and and lo and behold, you know you you capitalized on that contact. It's it's just great testimony. Um, now, granted, it's it's doing it the right way, uh, but it's great testimony to uh, to taking advantage and utilizing the contacts that you've made. Um, last question, June, and and this one is a biggie. I, I I feel bad because I I think that the tendency of the podcast has been to typically try to go out on a little bit of a softball note, um, but just because I I just think you have such great insight into the business, um, and I know that you care about the you know the up and comers. Um, you and because you've seen you've seen a lot in your day. How can how can these musicians, these these songwriters, these artists, how can they avoid getting taken in the music business? Um, <laughs> they can ask me. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what you've got to do is do your you've got to do your due due diligence. Usually, if somebody offers you something that sounds too good, it is. Mm -hmm. And um, too good to be true, it, it usually is. And there, there are good places that can help you and good people that can help you navigate the waters that are still there in Nashville. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you want plugs for other people, but I know Penny Dion is in Nashville and she's um she's great. She's been a plugger. She is um she knows the Nashville area and scene. She's been there a long time. And she's got um a new group called Nashville Creatives Pathway 
and what she wants to do, she's a consultant services for songwriters, artists, and music industry entrepreneurs. She's a very good person. And finding somebody like that who's been there a long time, who can who you can really check out mm-hmm. and do your due diligence mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's good advice, and and it's uh, you know it's just funny that. It, simply goes back to the old adage that you said, you know, if it, if it sounds too good to be true, uh, then it probably is. Um, June, this has been, this has been great. I mean, just a, such an information packed episode of the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. Thank you so much for, for all your time and, and your, your generosity with your information and your insights. Well, thank you for asking me to do this. I really appreciate it. And, um, like I said, please, Look us up on Facebook at Ash Street Music, um, at our Facebook page there. And, um, you know, I'm happy to answer questions. And, you know, if you just, if you just put them on there, and um, I'll do the best I can. And like I said, be ready for, you know, I want to be honest with people, and I want to give good, constructive criticism. Um and constructive help. Right. You know, not just not yeah. just tell you what you want to hear, but maybe what you need to hear. Yeah, there's a difference. Uh, I would like to now formally thank my guest, June McHugh. Uh, as she mentioned, look for Ash Street Music, A-S-H. Look for Ash Street Music on Facebook. Uh, look for her husband's um, artist page, his uh, music page on Facebook, uh, Tom Gould. And don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, too, and um, maybe even a five-star rating if you're so inclined. That would uh, actually help a real lot. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with a song from the Ash Street Music Catalog and co-written by June's husband, Tom Gould. This is called Can't Take Back the Stone. I was the only friend that old man had in this whole town Right up to the day we laid him in the ground Just me and the preacher standing in the rain We waited by the grave, but nobody came He was the kind of man God talked about behind his back He was always put down for the things he lacked When they measured what a man was worth by what he earned He just smiled until the judgment is the Lord's concern He said every day's a good day Right, and you're no better than your neighbor in the Savior's eyes. Angry words hurt like a rock, so it's best to leave those words alone. Mm-hmm. Just remember once it's thrown. 
Can't take back the stone Now I'm grown But I'll admit sometimes it gets to me When it's hard to live with what I hear and what I see Cause there's still people judging people like they did back then But it shows me how much strength there was in that old man He said every day's a good day if you live it right You're no better than your neighbor in the Savior's eyes Remember once it's thrown Can't take back the stone He's been gone now almost 15 years But sometimes I swear I hear him whisper in my ear Best to leave those angry words alone Just remember once it's thrown You can't take back the stone